Hi there, welcome to a Thursday afternoon, and that means Bill Allen's Facebook classes. We're going through a book on the Psalms called The Songs of Jesus. It is a daily devotional guide uh, written by Timothy and Kathy Keller, and uh, glad to have you joining along today. Um, we will be looking at the longest psalm uh, next Thursday. But today we look at the opposite. We look at the shortest psalm. And it's interesting that both of these come pretty close together. Psalm 119 is the longest psalm. And its theme, significantly enough, is the Word of God. Psalm 117, however, is the one that we're looking at today. So you pick the right day to, to check in because it's the short version. I don't think that we'll be able to cover much of all of Psalm 119 when we get there, but it is very significant, again, that its theme is the Word of God. Today, though, it is a call to praise. Psalm 117 is a wonderful psalm. It's a psalm that, like many others, we have songs written exactly from, and one of the hymns in our hymn book is called, Oh, Praise the Lord. And it is taken directly from this psalm, Psalm 117. It's only two verses, shortest chapter in the Bible. And uh, so here's how, it, here's how it reads. Psalm 117. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples. For great is his love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. You know this hymn, perhaps. <clears throat> it starts out, Oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations. And then it goes on from there, and it's not very long because the psalm isn't very long. So um, what about this psalm? Well, it's a call to praise, but interestingly enough, it's not just for the people of God. It's a call for all nations, all peoples, to praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples, for great is his love toward us, and the faithfulness of, in, of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. The psalmist says all people should praise God. The Jews, the people of God, but all nations, all peoples uh, should praise the Lord because he is the everlasting creator uh, and his love toward us is great and his faithfulness endures forever. That's true no matter who you are. And it was certainly something that the people of God uh, held very close uh, to their hearts. The gospel of Jesus Christ proclaims that God has broken into history to save a people for himself and has done so supremely in Jesus Christ. He called Abraham and the descendants of Abraham to be the Jews, to be his chosen people in the Old Testament times. And one of those descendants of Abraham would be one who would draw all peoples of all nations to their creator, and that person is Jesus of Nazareth. He was a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then Jacob's son, Judah. He was a descendant of King David, and so is in the royal line. And Matthew 1 makes that very, very clear. Uh, Luke also acknowledges that in Luke chapter 3. Uh, but it is Jesus who breaks into history as the Son of God and offers himself as the sacrifice so that all people can be brought uh, to a place where they can be righteous in the eyes of God. And so all nations, all peoples in the Old Testament are called upon to praise the Lord because he is alone is worthy. 
Uh, in the New Testament, of course, after Jesus had died and was buried and raised and then ascended into heaven and then the church begins in Acts chapter 2, that is that special people. And it can be people from all nations, no geographic boundaries, no economic boundaries, no racial or ethnic boundaries, none of that. All are, sin are sinners. According to Romans 3, all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. Uh, earlier in Romans 3, quoting from the Old Testament, there is none that is righteous, no, not even one. And that's why we all can be saved only through faith in Jesus Christ. But the good news of the gospel is we can, we can be. And so the psalmist, even though he wasn't sure exactly how that would all go, he calls on all nations to praise the Lord who is faithful and whose love is great. Um, we, uh, we're kind of challenged by this when we realize that uh, those boundaries extend uh, all around the world. The church, as Jesus told Pontius Pilate at his trial, the governor, the Roman governor, that condemned him ultimately to death, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. His kingdom is a spiritual kingdom that doesn't have uh, physical boundaries like nations have today and always have had. Rather, the spiritual kingdom of Christ is something that transcends all of those. And it does because we're all in the same boat. None of us can earn or deserve our salvation. Only That can come only through God's grace, only through the, the love and the sacrifice and the blood of Jesus Christ. Um, we go out singing the psalm and calling all nations to join us. Uh, praise the Lord, all you nations, for great is his love toward us. All you peoples come and praise the Lord. Uh, for his mercy is everlasting. And that, again, is a song that reaches out to all races, all nations, all peoples, good or bad, uh, rich or poor, uh, black or white, male or female. None of that matters when it comes to our salvation in the eyes of the Lord. We're only saved by grace through the response of faith. And that response of faith uh, calls us to believe in Jesus. Jesus called us to believe in him, to repent of our sins. That means to change our lives, uh, to confess that faith so that others around us, when we do that, will know this is more than just getting wet. And then, yes, it includes uh, being baptized into Christ. Um, Mark 16 says, the one who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Acts 2 verse 38 says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Lydia and her family, the Philippian jailer and his family, both of those stories in Acts 16, they were baptized into Christ when they came to believe that he was the Savior. And, and so that is open, that's an open invitation to everyone. No matter who you are, no matter where you live, no matter what you have, no matter what you look like, no matter where, what your current condition is, um, that great old song, Jesus calls us, he calls us to accept him in faith and to be baptized into Christ, to die to sin, to be buried with him through baptism into death. That's exactly what Romans chapter six says and then to be raised to live a new life. That's the wonderful thing that calls us all to praise our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, because we can be raised to live a new life, not because we deserve it, 
but because Jesus gave his life for us. Uh, we realize that that is something that is very precious and, and, and something that, again, we don't deserve and can't earn, but it is something that has been made available to us by our Savior, Jesus Christ. If he hadn't been uh, crucified and raised from the dead, then we could be baptized every day of our lives and it wouldn't matter because uh, it's his blood that cleanses us from our sin. But just as he has told us to believe, just as he has told us to repent and change our lives, he has told us uh, to be baptized into Christ and to have our sins washed away. That's what Paul the Apostle heard when he was still Saul of Tarsus, had seen Jesus on the road to Damascus, had been blinded by that. He was three days and three nights in the city waiting to hear what he should do, as Jesus told him, what he must do. Uh, certainly he was a believer. <laughs> certainly he had repented. He was praying and fasting. But Ananias, a Christian man, was called by Jesus to go to him, and he did. And when he did, he told him, what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized and wash your sins away, calling on his name. Even though he had been praying and fasting for three days, his sins had not been washed away. Hard to imagine that a person can be saved without their sins being washed away, isn't it? or without calling on the name of the Lord. People talk about that a lot and they might believe that it just means praying a prayer or saying that you believe. But for Saul of Tarsus, he had been doing that for three days. And yet in Acts 22 verse 16, Ananias comes to him and says, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, wash away your sins, calling upon his name. It's that whole act of faith that puts us in a right relationship with God, but only because Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And so we look at Psalm 118, and it follows right there along with Psalm 117. And then again, Psalm 119, the longest psalm we'll look at next week. But Psalm 118 says this, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron, the priest, say, and the brother of Moses, his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say his love endures forever. When hard-pressed, I cried to the Lord. He brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? That's a quote. Uh, that's a scripture that is quoted in the New Testament, the Apostle Peter quotes that. The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. What a great statement in Psalm 118 verse 8. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. Whether it is uh, regular people or trusting in myself or trusting in uh, the governing authorities. Princes in the time of the psalmist kings and presidents and and uh, prime ministers and whoever else in our day and time. Psalm 118 continues in verse 10, all the nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. The psalmist here is in trouble and he's being threatened, but he has felt and experienced the deliverance of the Lord. Verse 11 of Psalm 118, they surrounded me on every side, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. They swarmed around me like bees, but they were consumed as quickly as burning thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them down. I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. 
The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high, a sign of God's power, his right hand. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I will not die but live and will proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. This is such an interesting psalm because the first half is filled with praise to God and the acknowledgement that his love endures forever. But then the second half gives a little bit more of the story of the personal story of the psalmist, um, of perhaps a military leader, perhaps a king like King David, uh, perhaps it was King David. And he understood battle. He was a, he was a warrior king. He went to battle and he understood that. And there were times when he was surrounded. There were times when it did not look good at all for him, that his enemies had surrounded him, just as he says in this psalm. But then he says, in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. The Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. It's the Lord's right hand that has done mighty things. Whatever we accomplish in this life, whatever victories we get to experience, and we have many, uh, we give credit to the Lord. It is the Lord who does these things. Uh, scripture in the New Testament says that all good things come from God, and that's true. Whatever good things there are in your life or mine, they come from the Lord. They're a blessing from God. And we give Him the praise, and we thank Him and glorify Him uh, because of that. The experiences that we have that are hard, God uses for our good. Uh, and sometimes that's a hard, hard lesson. And yet Romans 8 verse 28 says, God works all things out for our good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. It doesn't mean only good things happen to us. Far from it. Jesus himself acknowledged if we serve and follow him, it will be hard at times. And people will think that by causing us trouble, they're pleasing God. But Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. When he gives that great commission and calls on us to go uh, preach the gospel, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything just as he has commanded us. But that's not where it ends. There's one more verse at the end of Matthew 28. Jesus promises, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. And so with the psalmist, we say, in the name of the Lord, I was delivered. I had enemies surrounding me on every side, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. The Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. And so we say with the psalmist in Psalm 118, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. And we'll close this lesson by reading once again and praying this great psalm, Psalm 117, that calls on all the nations to join us in praising the Lord. It says, praise the Lord, all you nations, extol him, all you peoples, for great is his love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Our prayer is that all will follow this psalm, Lord that all will join us around your throne and will praise the one true and living God, the Master. Praise the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.
I hope that you have a wonderful weekend. I look forward to seeing you online on Sunday or perhaps next Tuesday as we uh, continue our studies together. God bless.